whatever it is that you're working on, even if it's a page, like try to give it your all because it could be, you know, the thing that opens the door to something that you never considered. Hey folks, welcome back to the Blur Girl podcast. I'm Karen Mahorn, AKA the Blur Girl. If you're new here, I love talking about geek creators, about how they create their work, everything from comics to film. And this week's guest is not only an incredible writer, I also call her a friend. Stephanie Williams is joining us today. Now, Stephanie blew up in 2021 when she wrote Nubia and the Amazons for DC Comics. Since then, she's written over 30 issues of comics, including Magic the Gathering. Plus, she's the host of Prime Video Superhero Club. I can't wait to dive into everything that Stephanie's working on, but first, let's pay some bills. Journey into the world of Asunda with Otaku Noir's latest mystery box. They're collaborating with Stranger Comics to bring you exclusive art, apparel, comics, and collectibles. There are four different box designs, each featuring unique artwork from the talented Raheem Milton. This box will also include the 2024 Black Cosplayer Calendar. The Otaku Noir mystery box is the perfect gift for the upcoming holiday season. Orders close on November 27th. Go to otakunoir.com and use promo code THEBLURGIRL to get a discount on your order. After graduating from the University of Illinois at Chicago and entering a career in scientific research, Stephanie Williams pivoted to pursue her childhood dream of writing comic books. And this is after she became a mom. Some of her comic credits include Nubia and the Amazons, Nubia Queen of the Amazons, Wakanda Number no. 1, Marvel's Voices The Family Snicked, Magic Planeswalkers, Noble Number no. 1, and much more. Her book Strange and Unsung All-Stars of the DC Universe is out now. And next year we're getting Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Wreck and Roll plus a graphic novel adaptation of the New York Times bestselling YA series, The Raven Cycle. In this discussion, not only do we talk about Stephanie's work, but we also talk about some of the mental blocks that she had to work through in order for her to really light a fire under her career. This is a fun one, y'all. Up next, my conversation with Stephanie Williams. all of my guests in the beginning what are you reading watching playing doing and it doesn't even have to be anything new what 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 makes you smile right now um that is a really good question um so i recently uh started re-watching the relic hunter i don't know if anybody remembers that show i do oh my um, god <laughs> yeah i found it i think i was on amazon prime and i was on freebie or whatever so i was, I was gonna say it's randomly... freebie or Tubi that would have that one one yes <laughs> um freebie? So like... freebie i think that's how you say it who knows, child? It, I could be completely wrong in that. Um, as I've been finding out through my son, he's like, mommy, that is definitely not how you say that. I'm like, my bad. Um, anyway, go read. So uh, Relic Hunter, I've been watching that, but uh, Castlevania Nocturne is like the more recent thing that I watched and fell in love with yes. um, because it was just so beautifully done. Um, so I know... Me personally, sure. I don't want to necessarily see black trauma, but I like it when it's done in a, when it is included in our story, our history. Um, and it's done so in a way that makes sense to the story and also the character, because 
you know, Castlevania Nocturne, for anybody who is unfamiliar, like they're dealing with the French Revolution. So it makes sense that they would include Annette's history and also Eduardo, um, their history um, in Haiti. And they do it in a way that it's just really beautiful. And you can tell that they had consultants. So I love that. Um, I love our, you know, beautiful, evil black vampire, Drolta. I absolutely love her too. Um, So that's been really fun. I have been playing Mario Wonder and Sonic Superstars. My son is like obsessed with Sonic now, which is really funny because he did not like Sonic for the la- the first seven years of his life. And then now all of a sudden um, he is just Sonic crazy. And it's just so funny to me because I would buy him Sonic shirts. He's like, mommy, don't buy me any more Sonic shirts. But now- It's all Sonic. Buy me Sonic. Yes, all Sonic all the time. So I've been playing that in Mario Wonder. And um, Detective Pikachu, whenever I can get a moment, but I haven't got a chance to really get into it. Yeah, um, I'm waiting for Mario RPG to be out. That's what I am like mostly waiting for. But that's pretty much been it. Um, You know, the NBA is back. WNBA just wrapped up. So people don't know this. I really love sports. So I'm watching Sunday NFL all day. I didn't know that. Chicago Bulls. Yeah. I I, I mean, girl, I mean, look, they got sweatshirts on sale all the time. I don't don't assume. And I'm just so happy to see a lot of the comics and things that you're doing just come to fruition. And then also people acknowledging that you are a good writer. Thank overall you. and not just oh they hired her for that black history thing that because i get that so yeah. it's just i i'm like no she's a good writer she's mad funny across the board so um i'm gonna go go to your site believe it or not and i'm just gonna show some of the covers and i want to kind of go through the timeline a little bit yeah. Of what you have worked on and what you have done. So what what was but what if though? How did that start? So uh that started when I was at a baby shower and I hit up um Aaron O'Neill Jones, the artist whose artwork this is showing right now, and I was like, Hey, signature commissions are open. Are you taking um like sequential art? And she was. So she would, you know, she was a fan of mine, just like I was a fan of hers at the time. And I was like, Okay, I'm gonna send you the script. I hope that you're still vibing with it um after you get it. So the first script was um, I think it was uh, Batman uh, kind of putting together his contingency plans or whatever. And it was on Vixen and like her multiple hair changes because, you know, he thought that was part of her powers. Mm-hmm. Technically, it could be, but not in this case. She was switching her hair up. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Flash is there standing with him and it's just like, yeah, Bruce, like that's not, that's not you cool. don't think that's part of That's not part of her power set. You know that, right? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. So that was just kind of the birth of But What If Though. And then Aaron. Aaron and I went on to do like four more things together. And then I started branching off and working with other artists. But Living Heroes was the other thing that came out of that in the first page. Did O'Neill Jones do all of this as well? Or was this multiple different yes. artists? So um, Aaron did all of it. Um and as far as the colorist, Christina Pong, who I had worked on, uh, had worked on a couple of But What If Throws with me, um, we brought on as a colorist and 
we just all kind of jammed together and and kind of did like a little soft test to see if that was something that people would support. And next thing I know, we, you know, put the Kickstarter together and it was funded in a little over uh, 24 hours, which was really dope because this is super niche. It's well, it, well one, it is super niche, but you, <laughs> yeah. I, you're also discounting the fact that you were like on Twitter strong talking about comics all the time. Oh, yes. We all, yes. And we had seen a lot of the little stuff that you had posted um, and Living Heroes, you all, it was super niche because it was based on Living Single, right? Mm-hmm. So you're it, talking absolutely. about like a millennial black crowd that watched this show that knew all yeah. of the original Living Single um, characters. You have multiple, now help me out, it's one book or multiple books? It is just one. I would okay. love for it to be multiple, but um, both Aaron and I, after this came out, like, so Aaron's career took off and then mine shortly after. So it's really been a thing of, it's not that we don't want to do it because we don't want to. It's just that we literally just don't have the time. Yeah. And also I'm hoping that maybe one day at an official capacity, we could do something like through Marvel, through like their Infinity Comics or something. Maybe not this exactly, but something very similar to it. What was your favorite story out of this out of the series because Thor in the grocery store was really funny to me <laughs> so funny enough so Thor in the grocery store is from the Marvel voices which but you I thought bringing that up at, makes I, me I thought it came no out of this, though it did no well that's good no but it's good that you think that though because so that's so Marvel officially reached out to me for that Marvel voices story after this like after the Kickstarter and it was like months later like I was sending out books to uh, backers around this time so when they reached out to me to ask me if I had a pitch uh, for like two pages I freaked out because I was like what am I gonna like what am I what am I about to write like does my moment has finally happened like what do I actually do and then I was like oh well Stephanie they reached out to you for a very specific reason because of who you are as just a writer and a storyteller so like do what you did in living heroes so the fact that it feels like it fits in that world is perfect because that was basically the energy i had when i wrote that but marvel voices was the next thing that you got right Mm -hmm. so so let's let's talk about that for a second because um i got marvel voices my marvel voices was well actually the it was this year. Oh my God. Time yeah, I know it was time. Um, but they asked me to do it like last November around this time. And yep. then I had like mm-hmm. a week to pitch. And then like, mm-hmm. like, I felt like I had two weeks to write the story. But look, I only had 15 weeks to write that whole book. So yeah, <laughs> I, we can really get into timelines. But <laughs> yes. So same thing for me. Um, it was a November situation. I think I was leaving the gym actually when I saw the email. So I'm like, I know everybody back in the heard me screaming when I got to my car because I was like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> Because my whole time, I thought if I did ever hear from Marvel, it was on some, hey, we saw you living here. Well, we got to shut this down. You but can't really use that license. <laughs> yeah. But thankfully, like, they understood fan comic and, um, you know, they didn't deem me for that. And in fact, reached out to me to actually do something for them officially. So I think I sent my pitch to them that same day. Um, cause at first, like I often do in emails for like, Hey, Stephanie, are you interested in doing this? Where I'll be like, yeah, I am interested in this as I'm typing out the email. And, but you know, a matter of fact, I do have an idea. And then I end up going into the pitch, sometimes a full blown outline. Um, and then boom. Uh, and I think I had that script in that following week, but that's just because 
it was just already, I guess, in my mind to kind of do this this story. It was around Thanksgiving. I was like, nothing worse than going to the grocery store with a family member and them leaving you with the cart. And uh, whether you have money or not, it's still stressful because it's like, hey, come get your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to come pay for this. And I just thought of just superheroes in general and whether they you know, have deep pockets or not, how that would just be kind of stressful. So that's just... It was just perfect. But Tori never had no money. Like, that's kind of the joke. He's the god of, like, rich white boys that just don't get it. So, like, that's... Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, it's... It's perfect. Yes, it it worked out. So, um, the funny reason and probably why I don't have it listed on my website, because the week that... Uh, that Marble Voices story came out, I spoke to the editor at DC for what at the time I didn't know was for Nubia. Um, I just thought it was for like, hey, um, we're interested in um, like you writing some Amazons. We have Wonder Woman Black and Gold coming out. We would like you to be part of the anthology. Um, Do you want to tell the story with Nubia and Diana? I was like, absolutely. And then Vita and I spoke and Vita was like, okay, I know what you're doing with the eight page story. That sounds that sounds cute, girl. Like you got it or whatever. But like, let's talk about what you would like to do with Nubia. And and, and this then was, this was Vita Ayala who co-wrote this with you, or was writing another yeah. story. No, uh, okay. so Vita uh, was on as co-author, but Vita made it known to me very early on. Like Steph, this is your thing. Um, you know, I am here to help you steward the story um, and, you know, let's let's build something and make it a thing. But like, this is your moment to, you know, show what you have and also to like learn. And did I because Vita was the most amazing person to to learn from. Also, just uh, Brittany um, Hoser, the editor um, on this book, was amazing as well. Like, I got really, really lucky with my first major thing to have such amazing people to um, learn from, lean on, and all of that. And also, like, to have Aletha working on this, um, someone yeah, whose I, art... Listen. I, yeah, I have been a fan of prior to this. So to have um, Aletha working on this book... It was just really, it couldn't have been more perfect entry for me. Um, it and also me letting to, Aletha mm-hmm. do what she does. Look at this cover. Look yes, at that it's hair. gorgeous. I yes, mean, letting, it was amazing. Just letting her do what she does. And that was something um, that happened on both my book and then the yeah. comic. I was like, there's no way we can turn this around the comic as fast as you want without Aletha. And mm-hmm. then I had a situation where we'd lost some artists on the book. And it was never supposed to have that much art in it. But we'd lost some artists on, on Protectors of Wakanda and they needed, they were like, I, we were missing suits. We were ni- missing some like images. And I'm like, you have to get Aletha Martinez. I don't have to explain yes. to her what the Dormelage look like, what they're wearing, what the school is. She did it originally. She drew mm-hmm. the original, like, please go get Aletha. And I, I'm just so happy that She's always worked in comics, but she's been like mm-hmm. behind the scenes. A lot of people didn't know who she was. And I'm so happy that we're all able to like shine a light on her and her work because she so yes. deserves it. Absolutely. She does. Um, and it was again, like just the perfect kind of setup because then it allowed for the mascara to be as diverse, um, as it was, or even still is now um, after these two, like, or three. Um, yeah, so, like, the first movie series, Coordination, and then, like, the second series um, to be just as 
beautifully diverse as it is and black in a way that is just very inherent um because that was the other thing that was kind of fun about this and also daunting is that um because of Nubia and who she was originally introduced as, um, you know, Wonder Woman's Black twin sister. And most people know her as the Black Wonder Woman. I was like, yeah, that's not going to, that's not going to work, right? Um, She needs to be able to stand on her own. Um, And she needs to be someone whose name, when you think of it now, it is as either as Queen Nubia or just Nubia in general. Um, and not yeah yeah, like her value should not uh depend on her proximity to diana so and i also like the fact that her origin story was you were able to alter that not her necessarily being molded from clay that was from yeah the the black clay and the white clay and that's old y'all that's not that's not this origin story that's the old original origin story from like the 70s and i just like the fact that she had her own thing and she came through um, what's it called again? The, uh, the Well of Souls, well which of Souls. is an updated version of George Perez's Cavern of Souls. Mm-hmm. So, like in the research that went into this, because I wasn't, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't have called myself a huge Wonder Woman fan before I wrote this book. Like I knew of Diana, and a lot of what informed me on who Diana was came through the Justice League and the Justice League Unlimited. And then I would finally get into the comics, and I was like, "Ooh, these kind of." two different people, but okay, that's fine. Um, So kind of getting into that and then discovering George Perez's run and like, oh, this is beautiful. Same thing with Phil Jimenez, Greg Rucker, and just kind of reading who Diana is. And if I know who Diana is, then I have a better idea of who the Amazons are. So if I can pinpoint who the Amazons are, to me, they are women who are dedicated to their um, their responsibility and to each other. There's a panel or a page more so that I will never fit, forget from um, George Perez's run where you have Hippolyta and uh, Philippus. They get into, a, they was fighting, they were tussling. Um, and the reason why they were tussling is because Diana had went into Doom's doorway um, to go seek out because I won't get into the specifics of it, but she she went down into Doom's doorway. And Apollo was like, no, that's my baby. That's my child. She's not going to make it. Like, I need to go get her. And Philippus is like, well, that's valid, but I'm not letting you do that because my duty is to make sure that you remain queen and I can't risk you getting hurt. So... I don't want to enact violence in order to stop you from doing what you're doing, but I know, you know, how, like what your energy is right now. And if I, if we don't scrap, then I know that you're going to go there. So, and Apollo was like, okay, respect. I'm about to throw these hands along with you. You're going to let me back, um, you know, let me pass. Uh, either willingly or unwillingly. So they fight. And it's a fight that is very visceral because you could tell that they do not want to be violent towards each other. However, it is required so that something can be achieved. Mm-hmm. Either Philip is stopping her or Hippolyta stopping Philippus so she can go after her daughter. And Hippolyta ends up winning. A mother's love shone through. And she... Um, Philippus is knocked out and Hippolyta is like, I am so sorry that I had to put my paws on you like that. But but, but this is my baby. But this is my baby. And I hope that you can forgive me um, once I return. And that to me was 
just a very true testament to who the Amazons are. Um, these are women who understand that peace does not come quietly. Um, mm-hmm. Peace does not come um, willingly. It is peace is something that you have to um, to fight for. And sometimes you have to throw hands with people that you love in order to, um, you know, do what you need to do. So once... I don't know, once I kind of wrapped my mind around that, I was just like, okay, so this is the basis for Nubia and how I'm able to give her the same foundational pieces that Diana have, but then build in another branch in a way that, um, again, sets her apart from not only Diana, but the rest of the Amazons as well. Because it's called Nubia and the Amazon, so we had to include the other ones too. So again, like, you know, folks could have a reason to want to root for a queen because they actually care for the women that um, that are her subjects. Um, so that was important as well. So Madeline Miller's Cersei mm-hmm. came into play there. Um, I ended up listening to the audiobook there and it just kind of freed me up in a way where I was like, okay, this book will be, the main focus will be women and women only. Men might pop up once or twice. And if they do, um, they probably will um, get punched maybe once or twice, not in a way of misandry, but like just because that's, they don't really need to be here in order to show this conflict between these women. Like let's focus on the mascara and the fact that it's a paradise, but paradise can sometimes be subjective. So let's challenge. Even Medusa's story, which mm-hmm. was very originally very misogynist, you know, it, you told a different perspective, which I found absolutely fascinating. The way that I see it and the way that that, pres- that picture presents is I think of Amazon, I'm not Amazon, the Amazons and Medusa, or in this case, Nubia and Medusa being two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about it, the Amazons through the lore of the Well of Souls or the Cavern of Souls, these are women who have fallen victim in man's world um, and are reborn again on this island and blessed by the gods. Medusa falls in man's world too. She is cursed by the gods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why is it that she is in Doom's doorway? Why is she now deemed a monster and has to navigate the world that way when you have these women who have been faced the same afflictions, if not worse, and been reborn on this island and are blessed by the gods? So with Nubia being queen now and no longer being champion of Doom's doorway, I was like, she needs someone who is going to challenge her in a way that forces her to... Stand ten, to- stand 10 toes down in her new role. So how does she handle that? And she can't just handle it with fists and feet. Um, <laughs> she she can't. <laughs> she has the feet, W, I mean, F-E-E-T and also F-E-A-T as well. Um, she can't handle it that way. She needs to actually act um, as a queen, as she would as a queen, as somebody who is willing to listen and to hear uh, the women on her island and that also includes Medusa. Um, so that's kind of why we go the direction that we went when it came to Medusa by the time we get to the climax of the story. So that was something that I had wanted to do for a long time before I even knew I would write comics or anything. That was just a story that had always been in the back of my mind that if ever given a chance to kind of show another side to Medusa's story and bring some atonement there, um, what better way to do it through a Wonder Woman uh, book? Yeah, no, absolutely. By the way, what a one-two punch. Like, Marvel calling, yeah, we want you to write in the in Marvel Voices, and DC calling, like, hey, so Nubia. Um, 
2021, <clears throat> a lot of us got those calls. And I think as a result of 2020, because it was like, we need black mm -hmm. people to write things. And we don't know. Yeah. It's like, mm, you need to work on that. So, and I love, and I love the fact that you had access, but there's a lot of people that were, had like one and done. You were able to not just create one story, but you were able to create several. So what did you do to stay on? How did you, did you create enough open-ended things that they were like, okay, keep going? Because so many of us get like two shots or one shot and it's like, great, we've used black people, bye, you know. And that was my realistic fear because, um, like I knew the Marvel Oasis thing when it happened. Um, I was like, I don't want this to be the only thing that I do, but like, what can I do to make sure that that doesn't happen? So it was a little bit of luck. And then also just me being, um, <laughs> you know, like, um, uh, black ski masks, uh, black air force ones, like y'all already let me in here. So in the case of, Denzel Washington. Go, I'm go leaving with something. Right, right, right. I'm leaving yes. here with something. <laughs> so um, the Nubia thing happening right after, like the same week that the Marvel Voices Legacy thing um, happened, I was like, okay, girl. So like you're in, so like let's figure this out. Um, so like let's be as quick and timely with scripts as we can. Let's learn as much as we can and show growth and show that we have the writing chops to do more than this because that's always the fear, right? Like you're yep. only gonna get called for Black History Month or Juneteenth or Women's when History Month and then you never yeah, get the February, call again. February, March you work. February, March yes. you work and then June, they sometimes remember to call you before June 1st, yeah. it's rare. <laughs> it's true. And like, that was a great fear of mine. So it was just me writing as much as I could, but also diversifying my writing and showing that I can do more than this. Um, so whether you're gonna give me the opportunity to show you that, I will do it myself. Um, so uh, at the time I was working, um, I finally got a staff writing position at a website and WandaVision was going on. So I was writing like a lot of Monica Rambeau content and stuff and like that. Can you share mm -hmm. the website? Or? Yeah. So okay. it was uh, What to Watch. Okay. Um, and then I got switched over to Games Radar. And some things went sour and left. And basically, I did an interview with Idris Alba that was frowned upon because it was through another website, uh, oh. Den of Geek. And it was just like, well, uh, we don't have any non-competes. So y'all said nothing when I was working with Marvel. And doing uh, these character peach, uh, pitches, I mean, these character pieces and stuff, because I'd done like a Monica Rambeau, a Agatha one and some other stuff, crickets. So it the, wasn't so, until the- So the issue was that you got this star and you didn't bring it to them. Yeah, but they also had got the star. But they didn't call you. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, well, okay. So even though we, I, I did not know this was gonna come up, I do wanna talk yeah. about this for a second. Yeah. Because I don't think people understand. There's two ways to get interviews with a lot of stars. Usually outlets have the access. When something mm -hmm. comes out, they go, they put their thing in and they say, we wanna have these interviews. And then they give it to staff writers or they give mm -hmm. it to their favorite influencer or their favorite freelancer. So there's a lot of interviews that I've gotten that no, I, I can count on one hand the interviews that I've gotten through an outlet. Mm -hmm. Usually it's me as the blurred girl getting access and then I'm pitching back to an outlet to get paid for it or just putting it up on my podcast. But they're yeah. not interviewing. It's not what people think. Like the, when it comes to the bigger movies, 
they don't call us. No. They'll cover and, it, but we won't be in it. No. So Mike um, at Den of Geek, who has always looked out for me, was like, hey, I think you would be perfect for this. Like, you know, would you be interested in interviewing Idris for Suicide Squad? I'm like, well, yes, absolutely. So I do it. It's a it's a really good interview. And I guess editorial, someone got whiff of that. And then all of a sudden it became a problem. So Again, I was just getting into starting the Nubia series and I had to make a decision. Um, and also I was doing work for Amazon. So that started too. So yeah. I kind of skip over that because I forgot that that was even a thing, but I had started doing contractual work for Amazon. Um, so writing scripted videos for the YouTube channel, um, something that I didn't realize would be as beneficial and as big as it has grown to be. But I'm just happy that... Well, we could talk about it. No, no, we'll just get real to, quick. Which, yeah, yeah. which YouTube channel? Because a lot of people who are listening oh, to don't uh, know Oh, so you. Amazon. Yeah, yeah. So Amazon Prime Video, um, they have their YouTube channel. So similar to like a Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, um, a lot of these streaming companies have YouTube channels where they have specialized content geared to the shows that they have. Um, you know, they have talent stuff on there, all of that. Um, so Amazon Prime Video has one on YouTube and I, you know, do stuff for that that channel. So, so that they, was so, one on. So they reached out, and just because I'm curious as to how that works, yeah, they reached out to you after seeing the comics and stuff that you did, and said, uh, because many times writing is not the same as on camera or podcast work. Did they no. audition you? Like no. So this happened because uh, someone suggested me for it. Um, they were like, we think Stephanie would be great for this. And next thing I knew, I was like, had a quick little chat with someone. They were like, okay, well, here's the contract. And I was like, oh, okay. So I like put my head down and got to work. So when things went left with um, the website that I was with, and I was told, kind of given an ultimatum, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to not, I'm not going to miss out on my big comic, which I hope is my big comic break, because I still had no idea if Nubia was going to be there. Right, right. Um, and I had the Amazon contract, so I said no. And of course, I was told, well, you're giving up health insurance. And I was like, well, thankfully, my husband has some, so I will go get on his health insurance. Yeah, but I think it's trippy that it's like, you should be happy to be here. I was very much that energy. And, and also, it wasn't, if you're saying, it would be one thing if mm -hmm. there was a non-compete clause in your contract and you were like, bump a not compete, I'm a, you know, I'm gonna go do this. Yeah. But it wasn't in the contract you're saying. It was never- No, nope, not result. until, not until afterwards. And then, oh, and they, then wanted they wanted to, wanted to do an addendum, the... yeah. Yes. And I was like, yeah, I'm good, bye. So that was really a moment of betting on myself, um, which that I had was, done before when I left dumb. my job. That was really yeah. dumb of them because they lost out on somebody who could have brought them more. Like, okay, you lost that interview. So let's come up with a way that we now know moving forward that we'll use you. But did let me ask you a question. Did that outlet cover Suicide Squad? They did. They had their own Idris. But they used somebody um, else to, to interview mm -hmm. Idris, right? Yeah. Yep. They sure did. And I was just like, well, I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell y'all. Now, funny thing was that they had to cover Nubia uh, in the Amazon's news via news <laughs> through uh, Newsarama when that dropped. So I, that was nice. Petty, yeah. but it was, it was you nice to petty, get that nice. last. It was, it was it. nice to get that last. Like, I, yeah, because. Cheers, cheers to the petty. I'm, I'm here. You have it. to bet on yourself. And also you have to know your worth because other people will find out what your worth is and try to exploit it. 
Um, and that was that was one of those cases. But back to your question of like, what did I do to yeah, kind prime. of? Yeah, it was just again like grandma, just like me, really putting my head down and g- turned around like pitches. Like I said, same day if I could. Um, really busting my hump to get work in as quickly as I did, and then. For a lot of stuff, I didn't know people were paying attention, but apparently they were because I will say almost all of the opportunities that have come my way is because someone has suggested me for it or paid attention to what I was doing. Um, like Magic the Gathering, for instance, um, the two editors um, on that book for Boom were at the um, Nubia panel last year at NYCC. Mm-hmm. And they approached me and was like, hey, we're going to send you an email and it was like, hey, you want to write some Magic the Gathering? I was like, I don't know too much about Magic the Gathering, but absolutely. So I did my research. They gave me the support that I needed to make sure that I can make a story that made sense in this world. Um, but it was all because they enjoyed what they heard from me on the panel and then went back, read Newbie, and thought that it would be I would be a great fit for this. So it's just been, it's been a mixture. Um luck and then also having to having the work to kind of show like hey i am capable of doing these things and also being intentful with what i say yes to which is hard listen if you have bad credit or no credit i'm telling you the self credit app is a way to build your credit history now after the dumpster fire that was 2020 (laughs) as well as some mounting health insurance bills that i had from years ago my credit was pretty much tanked and I was able to raise it 35 points since the beginning of this year. I'm not exaggerating, 35 points, and it's so simple to use. You simply open a self-credit builder account and deposit a small amount of money in it. And then for as little as five bucks a month, you pay the money back automatically through the app. Then self reports your credit to all three credit agencies. That's it, it's that simple. Like, I don't even think about it, and my credit has jumped 35 points. Low credit, no credit, it doesn't matter. Use the Self app today and build your credit and savings and get back on track. It's available on iOS as well as Android. I have a link in my show notes for anyone who's interested. Check it out. So did you have like multiple people that one was in charge of like the lore and getting you up to speed or did they just give you, these are the characters, this is the story we wanna tell within these parameters. How did that work with Magic the Gathering? So um, it was actually pretty cool. Um, so the editor sent me everything I needed as far as the Magic Gathering comics, which I didn't know existed before then, but I'm so happy I did because I they're actually very good. Uh, Jet McKay has been writing them and I, I love them. Um, but they also gave me like a general idea of like what they were doing with the Planeswalkers and then like a list of Planeswalkers to choose from. I, gravita- I gravitated towards uh, Jason Varaska because there were a couple and I was like, ooh, I can do a little romance and like a little swashbuckling or whatever, and we'll have a good time. But like, that's very fantasy oriented. So I didn't really have to reach or go so far left than it seemed like at first because Nubia's fantasy. Um, I mean, heck, right? Spider Man's fantasy. It's all fantasy, it's but all this fantasy, is fantasy yeah. in a very different way. So I'm like, I've watched Game of Thrones. Like, again, like, I'm familiar with. Uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and uh, Magic the Gathering and Passing. So it was them giving me the freedom to kind of fashion a story within this world that fit with what I wanted to tell, which was kind of like this romance story. But Mm -hmm. then um, 
I really did my part as far as trying to steep myself in the lore. So I read everything um, that I could as far as the comics were concerned. YouTube is always an invaluable resource. Um, I just played oh, yeah, Magic no, the, the Gathering fans, lore yes. in the background as I just tried to absorb all this stuff. So yeah. I get lost in the things that I'm given um, because I just, and I think that comes from having to like fight on the internet as far as like what comic knowledge I had or didn't. So is always Stephanie is staying ready so she does not have to get ready. So I consume a lot and rapidly. I have it down to a science now. Let's break that down a little bit. How do you stay ready? Because comics are coming out every 15 seconds. So mm-hmm. how? Um, do you have an allotted budget to buy all the things? And mm-hmm. also having it down to the science, like I, pitching in a day, tell me your secrets, please. Because I <laughs> agonize, I pitch, I, I write the pitch, and then I agonize over the pitch, and then I rewrite the pitch, and then I never send the pitch because I'm terrified. So Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's true because... So not everything I'm able to pitch in a day, but most stuff I am. And the stuff that I'm able to pitch within a day is usually things that I'm already just weirdly already know too much, um, way, no way too much. Like for instance, the Wanda and Storm story that I wrote in the back of Scarlet Witch 2. Um, that was another November thing. And uh, they needed that pitch like immediately. Like it was like a 48 hour thing. I got it to them again. same day but I was able to because like I had already knew all that I needed to know about both these characters Mm because I've written about them extensively beforehand and read at nauseum and it wasn't even necessarily current stuff it was just the back because when I am reading comics and as far as budgets are concerned Marvel um, Unlimited nine I think it's like 10 bucks a month and then DC Infinite Universe 10 bucks a month so I just get the digital or whatever. And, um, and you were probably like me. I'm like a Marvel platinum whatever now because mm-hmm. I had to read all of yes. the, reading all of the things. <laughs> so in, in that I was able to pitch right away because I was very familiar with those characters. And to me, it was like, well, if Storm is kicking it with Wanda, like, you know, really hanging out with her, then like Storm thankfully does have like magic potential that Chris Claremont, I remember it. <laughs> introduced and wrote about way back in this um, magic um, mini series that was like four issues long that came out in the 80s. I only knew about that from like a random thing that I had written like two or three years ago that required me to do that research. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. it's a lot of never didn't have it or you just don't know how information is going to come in handy later. So I got that script in that Monday. Oh my God. So it was, it was quick. Mm -hmm. Um, But Again, this is why if you are really making it known what it is that you you love and editors are aware of this and an opportunity happens, they reach out for you for that thing. I mean, for me, it's it's work because like Stephanie already knows too much about this. So she will probably be able to get um, a pitch back or then sometimes I don't get pitches back that soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And I take the allotted time given to me to kind of do it because it's a character whose history has changed dramatically in the last two or three years. Um, So even the stuff that I've written, I, you know, knew about them in the past, like I got to brush up and stuff. So um, by formula, I mean, like I'm always constantly immersing myself in this world, um, be it Marvel, DC, uh, IDW boom, video games. Um, I'm lucky I have an eight year old, so I'm kind of, you know, 
I'm never not in something pop culture mm-hmm, is what I'm mm-hmm. trying to get at. Um, so I'm always like kind of tapped in with my finger kind of on the pulse to just have a kind of a feel for what's going on. Like, you know, a point guard in a basketball game because NBA is back, just having a feel for the court and how things are moving, how the, how the game is moving and just trying to stay as aware of that as I can so that I can be ready when the moment happens because the moments they happen. And then unfortunately, because life is what it is and you're not ready, then you don't know if it's going to come back to you. And especially as like a marginalized person in a space, it's something that is not fair, but it's something that you cannot afford. Um, yeah, you can't afford to not be ready. Yes, it's it's a frustrating reality on top of that. But let's talk about staying ready and um, Wakanda. Yeah. So... When did you get the call for this and what were you doing? Uh, what happened? I think I got this like around Heroes Con had just happened. So this was like the f- a week or two after that. Um, and again, this was a thing where the pitch needs to begin kind of quickly. Um, I got a quick rundown of what the status quo was, um, what was going on in Wakanda at the time. That was kind of, I kind of knew what was up. So that was okay. Um, and then like the direction that they wanted for this. Uh, so funny enough, this was scary. This was hard too, because I know how big Black Panther is. Um, and definitely at this time with Wakanda forever on the way out and Shuri being the character that I had to write for who is insanely smart, whether or not I used to be a scientist or not, like that's still difficult to yeah. write. Um, it is. So science speak is hard. Also because science is changing. It is. It's always changing, but I'm like, that's a beautiful thing. So I could just make something up and it make it, and as long as I make it make sense in the story, then that's all that matters. So for me, this was a thing of what do I want to focus on in this? And for me, it was kind of really showing um, Shuri and her mom's relationship in the way that I kind of wanted to appear in comics or whatever. Now that T'Challa was, you know, off running for his life and it was just her and her mama and just kind of seeing them connect and what that looked like. And then bringing in Rhino, which I'm so happy they let me do that. Cause I'm like, that's fun. Shuri's power allows her to tap into, um, it's not like the red for Vixen, but to me, they're kind of similar. Um, so I was like, well, okay, well, it's very obvious and kind of on the nose, but if she fights Rhino, that'd be cool because she can do all these, show all these different moves against this character where Shuri could easily win this fight by being the smarter person. But I Mm -hmm. want to show Shuri kind of matching his brawn with her own, um, which turned out to be a really fun story. The one thing that I hate about this story that could have been avoidable but when you are busy and life is what it is you sometimes miss stuff i forgot that rhino had been to wakanda before um back in uh reginald hutland's run like the first few uh issues or whatever he's part of claw's mm-hmm. team mm-hmm. and like he's just kind of dropped in like a um like a missile or yeah. whatever and yeah. then leaves but i forgot yeah. that he didn't have a real storyline he didn't. So, and this, I kind of made it seem as though um, that was his first time in Wakanda. Technically, it was his first time in the city, so I went wholly wrong. But, but, but here's the thing: people rewrite this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I, there are characters that get created and pulled out and brought back in and killed or whatever. So, yes, I know. I think we are uniquely primed to be 
ready to fight the fandom that wants to come for us. Like, oh, you didn't mm-hmm. know that he was there before? Okay. But if it works in my story, I'm keeping it. Like, no one argues with Jonathan Hickman. I mean, I'll argue with Jonathan Hickman, but I, most people don't argue with Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> no, um, most people don't do a lot of stuff when it comes to your Jonathan Hickmans, your Al Ewans, and so on and so forth. And we can get into that a little later, but it is peeped and it is also frustrating because, um, you know, I am also, you know, we're writers just like them. So why the difference there? And there's a host of reasons why there's a difference. You but, know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's just, it's not easy because, um, you know, I just recently tweeted out how hard and exhausting it is to find fine and secure consistent work when you're not writing a ongoing or have a couple minis under your belt and you're just kind of getting work in a piecemeal fashion, it's hard. Um, and I think it takes a certain, you know, level of either tenacity and again, just kind of being ready uh, for when that happens and also really establishing a name for yourself not with the fans and the public, but with editorial and these people who actually are responsible for handing out the job. So like, are you somebody who is timely? Are you somebody who takes notes? Are you someone who, um, you know, is going to be open to suggestions or you're going to fight for the thing that you want to keep in there? Are you, are you fun to work with? And I know that that isn't something that people want to hear. Cause like you should be able to come in and do a job, but I mean, this is a creative job. So in a way, like, are you kind of fun? Um, Are you a team player? Uh, That's another important thing. Um, So I try to be all these things that I learned when I was working in corporate and applying it to a business that should be way more professional than what it is. Um, Because for me, it's a way for me to survive um, in this space. I just can't move in the same way that some of my peers can because I don't look like them. I'm not supposed to be in this space. And it really is a working 10 times as hard to get the t- a tenth of what they get. And that's, and yeah, of course that irritates me. It angers me as sometimes I'm being quite frank. Um, but I know why I'm here and I know what other goals that I have. Um, and I have a plan. Like I'm not just here all willy-nilly and like, hey, I'm happy to be here. Like, um, there is a method to what is sheer madness. It it really is. Well, you have a child and a family, and so Mm -hmm. you can't just not have a plan because people need to eat. Um, Yes. Just so I'm clear, you do not have, you are doing comics full-time, correct? Yes. You still have a comic. You still don't have a corporate job. I'm sorry. No, I have not worked a nine to five job since May, 2021. Okay. So it has been comics or just writing in general full time since then. And that's why I bring up diversifying your writing outlets and just what you can do as a writer, because there are so many things that you could do as a writer. Like I said, the Amazon thing is... Honestly, like the 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 crux of everything for me, um, because Mm -hmm. it's consistent, um, and it is now really blossomed into something that I did not expect. Because I didn't think that Invincible HQ was going to post my video yesterday. 
That's the first time they've done that. That was really? really cool. I've been doing Superhero Club since the summer of 2021. That is what's so funny. Um, I just now recently this year really started posting my content that I do on there more actively, like on my social medias or whatever. But yeah, like I've been doing that for a minute. Um, so wait, so yeah. just so everybody knows, Invincible um, season two technically mm-hmm. is about to come out. I'm saying technically because the Adam yeah. Eve thing is sort of part of it and that already dropped. But yeah, yeah so season two is a, is is coming very next week, I think, actually. Yeah, November and, 3rd. And you have a whole seven minute piece that you did about introducing the characters as well. And um, you did it for Prime and Invincible was like, hey, check it out, Stephanie Williams. And I and I was like, this is amazing. And then when I looked, I'm like, wait, they're referencing the Prime thing. I'm like, why haven't they always done this? And then it dawned yeah. on me that I think for the first one, I don't know whether or not you had had worked for Prime when the first I did, yes, okay. yes. Okay. So uh, Invincible, the boys, all these things, it's just now um, because again, Miss Deadly putting in the work and I think, People are finally really paying attention to what the heck I'm doing over there. Um, and the people that I need to pay attention to it are, and it's getting the love that it deserves. But a lot of people, I just put a lot of work into that. Um, Cause again- No, are you, are you- Sure. Just prime, obviously. Yeah, so, I, so I pitched that concept actually. Okay. Um, so uh, Prime Video has different, um, you know, just like other places where it's like YouTube, Teams, TikTok, so on and so forth. Um, it's for like activate uh, activation plans mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. for their content. So I happen to be a part of the YouTube team. So I pitched Superhero Club because they, at the time, I knew that Invincible was getting ready to start. So mm-hmm. it was like, you have more than the boys for me to talk about. So like, let's get this thing going. And they loved the concept. And I was like, okay, well now I can do the thing that I know how to do best, which is these comic book deep dives where we you know, kind of give you the history of these characters from comics and how it compares to the TV show or the movie or whatever it is. And it just kind of really just took off in a way and has taken off recently in a way that I always hoped that it would. Um, Cause Cheyenne has also been doing anime club for them, which has been really cool. Mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm. she works over. Shout out um, to Cheyenne the the Geek. Yeah. Yes. Um, so both of us um, kind of leaning into the thing that we already love. We already talk about, but now being paid to do such a thing, um, which is always really nice. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but the fact that you get to write it and produce it mm-hmm. and you have several guests on here. Do you pick those guests? Sometimes. Okay. Um, it's been a minute since we've been able to like kind of do that. But yeah, like if I ever have a chance, like I go and I look and see like what influencers are, you know, popular and talking about this thing. So like I'm really getting into like marketing and PR side of things, which has been interesting too. Um, so again, like, you know, diversifying your writing ability is just important. Also, I just feel like as a writer, that's something that you would probably want to do, right? Because if you write other things, it makes you stronger in other areas. You can kind of apply it. And it's just nice to not put your eggs all in one basket because it is crazy to do so in this business. Oh, no, it absolutely is. And and I'm assuming, I'm. are you still writing reviews and think pieces and things like that? No. Okay. So, so that's something that I had to leave behind because okay. um, I was like, I don't, don't know how comfortable. <laughs> it doesn't, but also the other thing too, I was like, I don't know how comfortable I feel critiquing other art when I am now making art. To me, that was just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I did something I didn't want to do. But I was like, I can still critique comic 
other comics through my work. So mm-hmm, like, I'll mm-hmm. just do it and channel it in that way. But things change um, perspective wise when you are now on the other side of things. Um, so as a creator now versus just, um, you know, a critic, um, right? And you're looking at things a little bit differently and you know that a little bit more is involved than what you knew before. Um, that there are many hands that sometimes are in this pot and uh, at the very end of the day, it is still a job, right? Like yeah. um, we are hired on contractually or work for hire to do a job and work is returned, um, turned in for money. So it is also that um, I had to get to a place where I was fully accepting that this was my job now. Um, a job that I do enjoy, but it's still a job at the end of the day. And I think that was very important for me to make that distinction because it saved me from either saying yes to stuff that I had no business saying yes to, accepting things I had no business saying um, or accepting because it's one of those things of, well, you should just be happy to be here. Like, no, I'm here because I was hired to be. So um, that is the relationship. Um, And because of that, there should be mutual respect on both sides. And if that isn't present, then I don't need to be here. That also comes with, playing in somebody else's sandbox with somebody Mm -hmm. else's toys, those toys being licensed characters. Mm -hmm. Do you have a story that you'd like to write that is not licensed, that's completely like original characters and everything? Have you thought about doing that? Uh, Not only have I thought about it, I'm waiting to hear back on those two to three, well, two things officially. The third, I'm waiting on the art, but two things officially, yes, um, because... Um, again, like a game plan was already always there, right? Um, it just so happened that for me, um, I started with Marvel and DC and I knew how huge that was, not even from a standpoint because it's Marvel and DC. It's just, if I've already shown that I have the chops to write for them, then you better believe I can write my own stuff. So now I'm like, it's really more so editors ask me like, Hey, do you have any originals? And I was like, I absolutely do. Um, I will get this to you. So um, I have two things that I'm very, very excited and just amped up about. Um, they are my big brain childs. Um, so I'm just waiting on yeses that I'm almost very positive will come because uh, they've just, they've been percolating and they've been waiting. So yes, yes, yes. In fact, if it was left up to me and like I had a watch that allowed me to like freeze time so I could just work on stuff, it would probably be more than that. But also pacing myself and balance because I almost burnt myself out last year trying to do everything that I could out of fear of falling to the wayside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember when, not your burnout, but I remember your lockdown. Can I remember yeah. when you were like, yeah, so um, it, it felt like a scene out of Lair Cake. Like, yeah. y'all ain't gonna see me for a while. <laughs> Yeah. You were like, I'm out. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> you talk about like 15, you know, weeks to write something. Um, 2022 was insane because um, I found out about the Raven Cycle thing, which I first, when the editor reached out to me, I was like, this must be spam or a prank. There's no way on earth that y'all are asking me to adopt a best-selling graphic um a series into a graphic novel because i just had i think i maybe had like four or five issues in nubia under my belt when this happened so when that happened of course my answer was yes because that was my sign and also my opportunity to to like again not just get called in february because this was something that even though it 
came in February was going to be long running throughout the year. So um, I don't know what I was doing. Um, and I told the editor that and she was like, nope, uh, we got faith in you that you will get this figured out. And, um, and this is I the, Raven, the Raven Cycle by Maggie. Is it Steve, Steve, Steve Vatter? Is my saying it right? I, I think. <laughs> I think You're so, so funny. You're so funny. Have you worked with her? No, okay. I um I didn't even and apparently Maggie was familiar with me and my work and again this is what I say like you know you never know who is paying attention to what you are doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um so uh, whatever it is that you're working on even if it's a page like try to give it your all because it could be you know the thing that opens the door to something that you never considered. Um Because again, I knew that like I couldn't just write comics, uh, not if I wanted to keep the lights on. So I like had to get into other stuff. And um, and this was that. Uh, So that happened. Um, The Strange and Unsung All-Stars book came to me as well. Uh, Brandon T. Snyder, a mutual of ours, had actually suggested suggested me to the editor um, for that project. Like Stephanie does like pieces all the time on characters. So that was actually just a perfect thing um, that I've been basically I love how, I love how you're just kind of like low-key leaving out the fact that it was like James Gunn wrote the foreword. He was shouting Ooh. about on social media. <laughs> Did you ever talk to him when you were working no. on the book? No. So the funny thing about and how that came to be. So uh the editor uh, so randall was saying that he was going to try to get james gunn for the four because it made sense because at first the book was called heck yeah peacemaker and like a whole long other name that i don't remember now but it just made sense because peacemaker was coming out that year or had just came mm-hmm. out or he appeared in suicide squad so it just made sense that james gunn would write the four for this um he had not taken over for uh dc um uh, what is it like over in the movies and stuff yeah. that didn't happen until after the fact so when that happened I was like oh oh so he, okay. still, he was still doing Guardians and things like that yeah okay so um, you didn't even know he was about to take over all I had no idea so it Got was it. news to me like it was news to everyone else and then I was just like oh well hopefully this bodes well for this book and when he tweeted it out had no idea he was going to do that. I um, was very happy that he did because I know that him doing that for um, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, and also Historia pretty much boosted those books in ways that they deserved, um, but also in a way that only someone of his stature could do. Yeah. Um, so to have him tweet out, um, you know, he wrote the forward for it, but still, like for him to kind of tweet out and let people know. That was really cool. And um, I was like really excited about that because I put a lot of work into this book that I didn't have that long to write, but required extensive research. So much yes. so that I was like, cause I was also writing Nubia Queen of the Amazons at the time and like Wakanda number one at this time and a bunch of like Marvel Infinity comics too. So, and the Raven cycle. So like all these, and I know I'm missing some stuff, but like there was a lot going on and a lot that I had dedicated myself to. And I almost burnt myself out. I worked on my birthday. Uh, I worked a little bit during our family vacation to get a lot of this stuff done. Um, but for me, 2022 was dedicated to me, like not only just proving to myself, but others as well that 
I, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. And you planted the seeds and now this yeah. stuff is coming to fruition, but I didn't yeah. need to cut you off. No, you, you deserve fine. You deserve to be here and, I, I think that's a sentence, but okay. Yeah. You deserve to be here and. <laughs> I deserve to be here and um, if you do not think so, well, that's too bad because I'm going to make sure that my name is on something every single month so that you get that reminder, which has been all this year. It has. Um, I had not realized that. And actually, I hadn't realized how much I had done until um, uh, Christine, Christina, Christine, God, I pray I'm not getting um, her name wrong because I'm blanking on it at this moment. But uh, there was a piece done uh, written on me on Pop Burst. And uh, oh, the yes. author... Um, had like listed like how much I had written up until that point. It was like 33 or 40. It was some outrageous number for the period of time and how long I'd actually been doing comics professionally. And I was like, oh, well, girl, no wonder you almost had burnout. Because <laughs> look at this list. So you um, haven't been able to, you haven't slowed down to basically see and take a look at what you've grown. You're just like going no. through, you're going through and just planting more seeds and, and growing things and not going back and looking and and you have like a whole bunch of stuff yeah. uh and yes uh it is christine pasalo norland yes heard. okay christine okay i knew it was, <laughs> you it had was it right. Right. Um, yes you had it right um and she talks about everything from your twitter feed to you know uh also how you created what you did. I mean, I just think this is incredible. And I, and I, and I love this for you because it made you also see, oh yeah, right. I'm sorry. I'm the shit. I completely forgot. Like, I love that. I love those moments. Well, no, I think it was really just more so like, I mean, like you clearly, your head has been down. You have been working and like it, it shows, but also this is a moment for you to step back and like realize that, and you do not have to continue to operate out of a place of fear because again, this is your job. So because it is your job, then get to a place of acceptance that more work will come. Um, and that's just scary uh, because freelancing, nothing is guaranteed, but really with the way nine to fives work, sometimes that isn't guaranteed either. A company goes under all the time. People get laid off all the time. Um, so, you know, it, it was just really just continuing to bet on myself and believe that the work that I'm doing is speaking for me. Um, and I don't have to do that so much. Uh, so this year has been really being um, a lot more intentional to the things I say yes to. Um, and also actually, you know, being a little bit more aggressive and saying, hey, I do have a story for this. Are y'all looking for a story right now? Um, and sometimes it's been yes, sometimes it's been no, but we'll keep this in mind and we'll circle back to you. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, I'm not, but somebody else is. And it's been a little bit of that. And I've learned that, you know, you got to speak for what you want in this business as well, um, because closed mouths do not get fed. No, you're absolutely right. And I, I'm assuming you opened your mouth to get this because- No. You <laughs> so, no. So Moon Girl came out of left field. I have been doing- I, I need um, you to stop saying that. There is no left field. Well, or if it is, you're existing in a completely different field than the rest of us, okay? Well, it, it came out of left field in a way that I was not expecting um, this at, at all. Uh, 
And it was again, a thing of other people speaking my names in rooms that I had no idea were like even rooms. Uh, so funny, I had met the storyboard editor for the Moon Girl animated series while I was at Heroes Con. Oh wow! Um, she, she had a, she had nothing to do with this, but like I met her and it was really know. cool. And you we kind of told she might she might have. And I had met her and we had like a really great conversation. I was just really excited to see another black woman in just associated with something so cool. So we kind of talked and everything in that regard. And then I think it was like the last week or two before September before um, NYCC, Mm -hmm. I got an email from um, my agent, Eric, who was like, hey, so I just got something just came across for you. And like, I'm just going to hand this off to you because no offense, but comics don't pay enough for me to um, be involved in this. So let me give it over to you. I love Eric. Um, and this is Eric Smith, who, if you, he's also a writer. If you haven't checked out yep. his work, please do so. Um, and I was like, thank you, Eric. Um, she's going to say yes to this because it's Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur. And I know that this animated series is going to be something very special. I could just feel it. So, and that came from editors that I have worked with on Infinity Comics who were like, no, Stephanie would actually be very perfect for this. So you should reach out to her. And they did. And the next thing I knew, I was like, looking at screeners for the animated series and that was really cool my son and i watched that and he was like i can't say anything because your name's on it right and i was like yes i so love he had how the whole he, understand- he knows the seven year that well he's eight now right? he's eight now the yeah, eight year old understands an nda nothing like nothing like teaching him young yes he <laughs> he knows and he held that secret in until february when it finally came out and he was like I, now i can talk about it and i was like yes you sure can so um i immersed myself in uh that animated series and it was just so beautiful and i was like i i got the vibe and it just so happened they so for the way that this book worked it was a premise that was supposed to be an episode um it just ended up not being an episode so i had to build a script based on that and it just it just kind of, I I got it done. Um, And I didn't know that I was working with another black creator, um, a young black woman named Asia Simone, who is a very talented artist. So please check her out. Uh, But I found out (laughs) when I think Bleeding Cool uh, released the news, because again, had no idea that that was going to go up unofficially. So we were able to connect because that's another thing people don't know. Uh, A lot of times, I don't know what artists I'm working with. I, f- no. I found that out the hard way. I'm like, so I don't get to talk to these people? Because this would no. really go quicker if I could. Yeah, sometimes I find a lot. Of, so now I've gotten a lot better where if I get an inkling of who it is, then I'll find them on social media and just talk to them directly. And I'll mm-hmm. say, hey, um, what do you like to draw? So I can make sure that I put this in the script or try to get an idea. Like, are you somebody who loves a ton of references? Do you want a couple? Like, let me know so that we can try to make this as enjoyable of, as an experience as possible. So I found out Asia was working on it connected with her, which has been really great. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it's a thing that will be out April 2nd and was just really cool. Um, I didn't know this, but I found this out during my son's um, parent-teacher conference that um, I don't really talk about what I do like that, but apparently my son does. Uh, so because he's got the coolest yeah. mom on the planet. I mean, hello. Show me tell for days. <laughs> so he's like that. And then like other... The, his kindergarten and uh, first grade teacher, like they knew because 
either he would go with me to like conventions. Um, so we went to Canada last year and I'm just like, I hate to take him out of school, but it's Canada. Like, and the teacher was like, no, that's a beautiful experience. Go ahead and let him go. So his current second grade teacher was like, oh yeah, Miss Williams, we I, I know who you are. Like, it was very exciting when I found out Michael was going to be in my class. I knew we were in for a fun year. And I was like, oh, great. So just so, so you so know. Every, just so you know, everybody's talking about you, Stephanie. Apparently, <laughs> your, your son, in fact, your husband's in the other room right now, probably on with CBS News. Like, everybody <laughs> is talking about you. I need you to accept this fact, okay? Oh, <laughs> no, it's just kind of, I, I, it's a little hard sometimes because things, camera things happen a way quicker than I ever they imagined do. that they, they could. And I am still adjusting to it. I am trying my best to adjust faster, but it's just been a huge adjustment because it's been such a shift in what my life was four or five years ago yeah, um, to no, what but it I'm is so, now. I'm so happy for you and I cannot wait until the budgets and the contracts yeah. start reflecting like everything that you're doing. I'm just going to put this out there. Everything that you get in 2024 is going to be at least 50% higher in a rate than what you get now because I receive that. Um, I really do. And I'm hoping with these two original projects that that just further um, brings that point home uh, that, hey, uh, you should probably bump her pay a little bit because I could just go somewhere else. Um, but I told my, like I told my son's teacher, like, yeah, I was going to give the entire second grade uh, copies of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. But then I thought about it and I was like, eh, let's do the entire, all four second grade classes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, hand out these books. Because one, it's just a really cool thing to be able to do. Um, and it's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Like, of course, these second graders will eat that up. Like, they're really getting into reading. My son um, has, I will say, graphic novels have absolutely helped him become a stronger reader. He's reading Dog Man Fetch 22, uh, which is so, that is the wow. same creator behind uh, Captain Underpants. Mm-hmm. That is also, like, another book series that he has. And that's been really fun. Um, my son is very aware of what I do and will ask me, he writes his own stories and draws and everything, um, too. So, uh, one day he asked, he was like, do you know what, do you have writer's block? Do you know what that is? And I wanted to laugh, but I was like, oh, you're being serious right now. So I explained <laughs> to him. Like, that was Tuesday, but I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I explained to him what writer's block is. And I was like, yes, mommy absolutely does have writer's block sometimes. And he was like, oh, well, I don't really think that's what it is. And he convinces to tell me what it is. And I'm like, no, you don't have writer's block, sir. Like, you wrote the story. It's not that. Um, but he, again, is very, he is learning what the writing process is. Uh, we just recently watched something and that was a screener and the animation wasn't fully done for it because he also wants to get into mm-hmm. animation mm-hmm. and he got to kind of see a little bit what that looks like when stuff isn't colored in yet and all of that and he was like oh so like that's part of it I'm like yes it, it is so again don't tell nobody you watch this but yes know that when things are fully done this is how this is like one of the pieces and steps in animation i need you to understand that your son is holding court at school during lunch hour like oh yeah yeah well there's a whole new season of moon girl and devil dinosaur coming but i can't tell you because of ndas (laughs) 
But you know my mother's really important, right? She runs Marvel. So when I can talk about it, can somebody get me my juice? I'm sorry. I'm still waiting for my juice. Like, you know this is him at lunch. This is absolutely probably him at lunch. Because um, he came he was like, Mommy, did you know that I was popular? And I was like, oh, no, I can yeah. never. He's bad popular. Hmm. What was He's a giveaway? Like, you're going to roll up to school one day. You're going to see him in sunglasses with his assistant and his secretary. <laughs> and you're going you're gonna to realize you're doing it wrong. Um, no, what I rolled up he so like the car lines or whatever and the kids are supposed to pay attention so they can come to the car a lot of mm-hmm. times he'll be busy holding court with his friends and like boy we gonna come get in this car so we can get out of his line so see, he he's is, telling them how he's telling them about like how fabulous you are because you know my mom runs <laughs> Um, so the last thing I wanted to ask you is and I'm so glad that you talked about your son so much because I wanted to talk about how how did you find balance in all this? You said you yeah. almost burned out last year. You said yeah. you almost. How do you find balance in writing 357 comics and and also you know try to make sure that you get you put your set up on time and I, you're married. I want to tell yes. you, just let everybody know that Stephanie's not a single mother. She has a partner. No, no, in no, this. no. Yes, and and she, you know, but even balancing that, like. Do you have a date night? Is date night like watching a movie that she got a pre-screen? Like how? Because I do that. Don't fight. I mean, I'm just saying. No, like, no, no. Yeah, baby, we're going to see a movie that I it's need to be at uh, with uh, a plus one in about an hour. Yes. So so 2022, um, that work balance was not where it needed to be. Mm. Um, and because of that... I don't want to say that I'm happy that I that it happened, but I am kind of grateful for the lessons that I learned out of that because I had a lot of guilty moments where um, my husband didn't complain about this at all, but he was shouldering a little bit more of the low because of how much I was writing. And I would look up and like I was like I didn't know that he was doing like multiplication. Now I'm like, what? You're like boy, what are you're like growing up really fast and like what is going on? Um, so that was kind of rough. Um, and our date nights did take a nosedive because again, like I was just always working. So this year has been a huge course correction of that and making sure that not only am I prioritizing my family, but myself too. Cause that, that is even equally, if not more important, cause what good am I, am I, good am I to anyone if I am half full, right? Um, so it's been sometimes getting creative. Um, so kind of mixing two things at once and spending time with my son because we are screening um, something together. Or um, when I do feel myself getting ready to get writer's block or I do have writer's block, then kind of backing up and doing something that will take my mind off of it. So playing video games with him or saying to my husband, like, hey, do you want to go to Top Golf? Because it's like up the street. Do you want to do that during the day? Because we're still working from home. Um, so do that before we pick him up from school to be, you know, lunch breaks or whatever. Um, um, so getting creative and just being more intentional about making sure that I am keeping that in mind. Um, sometimes I am thinking of pitches and writing them while I'm cooking dinner. So, you know, just finding time where I can. I do not work weekends anymore, although last weekend I did have to work. I wasn't happy about that. Sometimes they happen, but I would say for like the last six months, I have not really worked a weekend. Um, I mean, unless it's a convention or something. Unless it's a convention, then yeah. But outside of that, no. Uh, because the thing that I learned is like, sure, I could work on something a little bit on Saturday, a little bit on Sunday. By the time Monday comes around, I'm going to look at my computer. But it's Monday and that's the day where I need to be more productive. So it means it. it's a lot better for me to just 
shut everything down Friday um, and just return to it on Monday. And if it means working an extra hour or two, that's fine. It's Monday. Um, it's not too many, you know, spicy, fun things that you can do on a Monday like that. So it's like, it's all right. Look, the hairstylist is closed on Monday. Why not? Like, you okay. Know, do you, have you shifted your week? Like, have you, do you have, or is it like Thursday and Friday are now your Saturday and Sundays? You take two days off or is it just one? No, um, so I make Saturday and Sunday, like I treat it like if it was a traditional job that okay. the weekends were closed, that's how I do it. Um, and that's really more so to align with um, my son's schedule. So he's out of school those two days. Um, I can't like during the week kind of get away with working a little bit longer because he's mm-hmm. just getting out of school and, you know, trying to relax and recuperate from that. Um I don't work past six or seven to just kind of, again, spend time with him, my husband as well, help with homework, all these things. So it's just make maximizing, you know, my time from after I drop him off or my husband drops him off. So like from seven to five will work. Anything after that, unless it's a rush or immediately needs to be done because it can't be done any other time, then no excuse. Um, even sometimes with like podcast interviews and stuff, I tell folks like, look, if you only record at this time, then I'll try to make an exception. But the weekends, no. And not feeling guilty about that yeah. because that was the other thing. Um, I would feel guilty about not extending myself in the way that I had to with people in the past out of fear of being viewed some kind of way because I didn't make time. And the thing is that it's not that I don't want to do it because I'm just trying to be, you know, dismissive or I think that you know, I've reached this status. So I don't have to deal with that anymore. Like, no, like I literally had to protect and prioritize my, my time when I'm not in my downtime. Um, and unfortunately when you want to record, this is during that downtime And this week, I can't afford to, um, you know, offer that. And that's, and sometimes, most times people have understood that sometimes some folks haven't, but I just, I don't know what to tell you. I'm still human. Even though I'm working this job that people deem as a dream job, it is still a job, y'all. No, but here's the thing. Most people who are professional won't have a problem with that because Mm -hmm. they are running, if they're running a professional podcast, the one that aims to be, they don't want to work very long either. They want to have to get you in and out. The people that complain are just sort of doing this occasionally. Yes. Um, And listen, I don't love you for you, but I I had to sleep sometime, you know? (laughs) And um, I, you know, there are other things, other interests that I have that are like outside of this. So like, 2023 was all about balance and just, again, um, trying to get myself in a place so that when 2024 happens and, you know, that really big thing that I'm waiting on, um, if I don't know what that, I'm just speaking something into existence, but like the thing that like I really want to happen when it happens, then I am able to bring my full self to it because I've not burnt myself out um, with things that I shouldn't have given attention to or said yes to. Um, and just trying to have faith that, you know, all this work that I'm putting in will come back to me in some kind of way. And I just have to be patient because um, that's hard. Our goals, like these Thank are, you. that should be everybody's goals. Before I let you go, tell everybody where they can find you. 
Yes. So you can still find me on the app formerly known as Twitter. Um, I will not say that name, but at Steph underscore I underscore Will. Uh, Same thing for Instagram and also TikTok. Um, If you are on YouTube, go to Amazon Prime, their YouTube channel. If you search superhero show, I think they have a playlist. You'll find all my stuff there. Um, And yeah, like I'm here. Uh, A couple of announcements that will probably be happening, I think, in December that I'm very excited to be out there. Um, I guess the most that I can hint at is if you follow me and you know the stuff that I obsessively talk about, then maybe she might have finally been able to work on a few of those things. I'm so happy for you. That is Thank that you. is absolutely awesome. Before I before we go, I want to give you your flowers, uh, Carol, Aww. because <laughs> yes, um, and I know this is your show and everything, but I just want to say that everything that you do is appreciated. It is paid attention to, and you are doing amazing work. And you also deserve to be in this space. So I just want to give you your oh, flowers before we go. And, and, and yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Of course. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get myself back. Like a lot of people know what's happened to me in the past yes. year, but I'm getting back on that horse. Stuff is, stuff is happening. Stuff is coming, I but I appreciate Good. it. And I appreciate the, um, I appreciate the shout out, but I still wanted to maintain this platform to not just hype up my friends, but hype up other people that are doing things in the space yeah. that are still because I'm see I saw that I saw that door closing and the decline of people covering not just comic, not just genre content, but diverse genre content, um, black genre content, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm going to have to, I'm making some adjustments so that I can continue to cover it, but also mm-hmm. like, you know, pay bills. So we're going <laughs> to, and also be, do my own creative work, which has been like well, the tough balance. Yeah. Cause the diversity inclusion DEI that came out of 2020, the way those opportunities have evaporated. It's DIE. It's dead. It's die. That's what it is. Yeah. So yeah, that's a whole nother conversation that we could possibly one day have. We could absolutely have that conversation on another episode because you're going to come back because I can't wait to talk about these, these new independent projects that you're doing. Thank you so much. And everybody follow Stephanie and pay attention. I'm just so thankful that I was able to catch you. Thanks for sticking around, folks. This was a long one. In fact, I had so much to chat about with Stephanie that I have bonus content for this episode and it's over on my Patreon. I will leave a link in the show notes in case you'd like to sign up and support the show. Also, shout out to this episode's sponsor, Otaku Noir. They're the only Black-owned nerd geek subscription box that I know of. And speaking of subscriptions, please subscribe to the Blur Girl podcast and leave a comment when you can. And don't forget, you can also subscribe over on YouTube. You can listen to the show on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. So share it, share it with all your friends. Thank you so much for your support and I'll see you next time.